boys to men giving us a classic and timeless song mama um that song i can't even tell you like how old that song is i think it's it's probably a decade old if i'm not mistaken but it's such a classic song it's the song to do give to your mom when you're doing like mother's day dedicated to her for her birthday like it's just that song that just appreciates the role of a mother and just everything that she is. And the reason why I started this episode with that song is because today's my mom's birthday and it's just a shout out to her appreciating the wonderful and marvelous woman and mother that she is to I and my siblings and so many other people out there. All right, so this is season five, episode one. I was going through... Um, and this is Transition Podcast, yes, and my name is Noma. All right, so I was going through like some old episodes of my podcast, like I think it was last week or earlier in the week, and then I realized that my the last episode, which was Relationships Worth Having with Ope, was recorded and put out May 7th, and I was like, has it actually been like a month since I have um come you know done this podcast thing it it felt like i just got off like last week and i'm like a whole month has passed and they say time flies when you're having fun well i don't know if it was fun i was having per se but time did go by um and so i missed i missed being here i missed um my special corner to to talk and vent and share and um this episode, I actually just wanted to focus on updates, all right? So what have I been up to? And um, in terms of Tales from the Web, especially, like stories I've been following um, and my thoughts about it, because obviously with Norma, I always dig deeper. A story is not just a story. I tend to like go deep and search for meaning almost in everything it's a good thing and it's a bad thing i think because i'm always looking for the meaning in meaning um but yeah so this is episode five season one and it's titled tales from the web six 
And I also have like some things to share as well that I have some truths I have recently walked into um, within this month. And I got them or I got it um, from actually watching a series and it got me thinking. Um, So yeah, I have a whole lot to share with you. Um, And I hope you're ready. I hope you can't wait. I hope you're as excited as I am. Let's chat, people. Okay, so one of the stories, let's start off with um, Johnny Depp and Amber Head. All right. I was following this like obsessed. I mean, I don't know if I should be ashamed to say this, (laughs) you know, but I was obsessed with this trial. I was following it on YouTube. I was following it like in press. You know, I was following it on Twitter. In fact, I actually joined, um, I don't know what they call it, you know, where you can follow particular topics. And so I actually started following the topics um, of it. And I was actually very surprised to actually see people, as more and more evidence was coming out in that case, to actually see people who were supporting Amber Heard. That surprised me um, because, you know, evidence doesn't lie so I was very perplexed because I I was really curious to understand those who actually were were defending her and supporting her I was really curious to know what angle they were looking at when there was so much evidence um just casting her in a bad light let's be honest because for me, I didn't listen to the whole thing. Yes, I said I was obsessed, but I was obviously, I was getting like snippets on YouTube and watching videos and commentaries and things like that. Um, but I, I think for the most part, probably I probably listened to a lot of the recordings um, that was shared in the courtroom during that trial. And I didn't really hear anything, um, you know, dark or negative from Johnny Depp like any dark or negative thing I heard during their confrontations in terms of speech um, and in terms of even actions were mostly from Amber Heard so I was really it was very interesting to actually see people supporting that and like being as passionate about you know supporting Amber Heard as those who were supporters of Johnny Depp where um, I have to say, I don't, um, I'm not really a fan of either of them. So I'm, I'm not really like Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff like that's not really my kind of movie. So I'm not really a big Johnny Depp fan. I know of him and I know of him more than I know of Amber Heard. Um, but I just, you know, it was just, I was just fascinated by the whole thing and um, of course when it ended there was one star of the show and that was Johnny Depp's lawyer I think it was it's Camila Vasquez like everybody just fell in love with that with that lady for me I was telling uh, I think I was telling my brother um, who is a lawyer and I was saying to him that she was actually making as we say in Nigeria she was making law to hungry me like I was like I want to enter into a courtroom start no start is for doctors <laughs> Sorry, but anyway, she was just she just got me so excited about the whole legal thing because she was doing it and she was killing it in the courtroom. Now, a number of things for me for me in that whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing, and of course the first thing was domestic violence and domestic abuse. And for the longest time, we know that it's it is believed. Um, it is believed. It is known. Of course, there are evidence and facts to support that. 
uh, men are perpetrators of domestic violence. And for the, you know that that is what we have come to. For me, let me speak for myself. Okay, so that, that is when I hear domestic violence, my first thought is the man is hitting. The man is is the one that is doing the violence. Um, whether it's verbal or emotional or whatever. I, I mean, Amber Heard just, this case was just one of the things that showed that, um, as I said, you know, not everything that glitters is gold, not every domestic violence story um, or every do not every domestic violence victim is a woman, right? And a lot of people during this whole thing, like on Twitter and social media, it's a number of women were like very... Um, disturbed by this because they were just wondering how this would impact actual innocent um, and truthful victims of domestic violence because like I said the evidence that was coming out and then Amber Heard's own take of her experience it was just like especially in her open ed um, article it was all like um, you were not being honest like you were, you were not you you never said what you you like you were just not being honest. Let me just put it that way. And um, so a lot of people, a lot of women I saw on social media were actually concerned about what this means in for actual women who are victims of domestic abuse. And that, that's for me, that's very sad. And to just keep hearing uh, Amber Heard, just I don't know, like she's like she's still talking about how this is is something like I saw something where they said she said this is a step back for women. Um, you know, in, and I'm like, you know, one of the things I saw that I think I read somewhere that Camille Vasquez said is uh, how Amber Heard never took was never never took accountability or ownership for anything, and I felt like that was also true. Like I said, like everything that was brought up in that courtroom that she did wrong. Every, every, you know, incident that was brought up where she was the one who said something, did something, there was always a reason, and the reason was Johnny Depp. She never owned, you know, she was always reacting. And the, the sad part is, whatever she was reacting to on a 10, you know, Johnny Depp in that recording or in that scenario was probably meeting her at a 5. So it was almost like... Somebody can be, you know, even if it's a like person meeting you at a five or at a two or something, and you're just coming at them at a ten, like it's not it's not balanced. And if if there's anyone who is being a bully, I would think it's a person who is coming at the five or two with a ten. So she just never took ownership for everything. Everything it seemed to be it was Johnny, it was Depp's fault, it was his fault, it was him, it was him. And I just was like, for me, that's, even, that's very problematic too. And then having said that, you don't flip it back and you're like, okay, so does this then mean that it, it then puts, does this then mean that actual or, let me read the word actual, does this then mean that domestic violence victims, you know, are you not saying like they're asking for it? You know, the whole, the Johnny Depp and Heard thing, just through a lot of things that were set in stone you know it just went and just you know mixed it up i don't want to say messed it up but it just went and just mixed it up and we need again to like straighten and get you know this thing straight again because something i feel like something has gotten crooked and shifted 
with this case that may not necessarily be good overall um, in, the, in terms of actual domestic violence cases. And I just feel like we, something may need to happen to straighten this out again because, um, I don't know, in a way I feel like a line was blurred and that line that was blurred is, is probably or is probably, I'm just trying to be careful with my words, but it's probably going to affect actual and victims of domestic violence. You know, how are they going to be believed? Are people going to now say that they're the ones that are asking, you know, for to be treated that way or to be hit? You know, like there's just so many things that um, this thing brings to light. Another point about this case for me, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard case, was that when Amber told her side of the story, so many people jumped on the, on, the, on the bandwagon. Everybody was hating on Johnny Depp. I mean, people hated on him to the point that allegedly he even lost a role in Pirates of the Caribbean. He, he, didn't, he couldn't reprise his role and all of that. And then this case came out and so many of these evidences that people didn't know about came out. And I was like, you see, I was reading, I was reading the book of Proverbs earlier today and it was saying that, I can't remember good paraphrase it, but that basically just, you know, taking a stance without knowing the facts is foolishness. And I think a lot of people, like I said, when the thing first came out, I couldn't care. I didn't really care about it. It was just with this particular courtroom thing that I really got invested but so many people just took a stance as soon as she, she, she said this is what she had been through. And um, I feel like those people who, who took that stance, a number of them found it hard to, to eat their words back. And so it was like they just had to keep going with what they had started with. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like that's pride um, in a way. I think for, in a way pride has to do something with that. But, um, or pride has to do with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that case was so, so interesting, so engaging to me, very sad, um, you know, just watching Deb having to relieve certain things. Um, like someone said, someone said, I don't know if I saw it on social media that, um, overall they just think both of them were just toxic for each other. And I think that is probably a safe, neutral conclusion, um, is that it was just, it was just, they were just both not compatible, as we say. They were just not compatible. And they exploded, you know, or imploded, however you want to say it. Um, another thing I want to bring out about this case was that when all this drama was going on in between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, like when they were still together and all that and dating and eventually got married, they were killing it on red carpets. They were killing it like they were just, Wherever you see them, they look all loved up and happy and talking about each other with so much admiration and looking at each other with gooey, gooey eyes. And I'm like, this just shows that, again, not all the glitters is gold. Like, we live in this social media age, and I think, well, social media age because we're in social media, but I think it's been happening long before social media. You can't really, you can't judge or you can't believe everything you see on face value like in nigeria there have been so many cases where people are like oh i tap into this relationship and i tap into that and then before you know it things start coming out you know there's this particular actor um who in nigeria who is just as far as i'm concerned just making a mess of himself um and um, he's just going he he um 
he got another lady pregnant, married this lady. He was already married, has like grown kids with his first wife. And he just keeps talking, going on and on and on about his decision to take his second wife and blah, blah, blah. And this is somebody that was greatly admired, you know, like women admired him. And he was just this guy that people admired. And now it's like all these things is coming. Like you see, everything is not what it seems. And the whole Johnny Depp and Beher thing was, for me, was just such a reminder. And it's so sad because sometimes you see couples who are actually happy and actually, you know, doing it well. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't think you guys are really happy. Like, I think this is a front. Um, because there's just so many instances of people who have shown us, oh, we're happy, we're kicking it, we're killing it, you know, they, and all of that. And then what do you know? I mean, there's this Nigerian um dancer based in the u.s you know an interracial marriage and everybody was like tapping into that and it looked so f the relationship looked so fun and the you know and everything and lively and they were, they were showing off how in love and in in connection and all of a sudden now it's you cheated and you this and she stole from me and, and it's just like oh my goodness you know so unfortunately you know, it's becoming even hard to believe people who actually look like they're happily married or look like they're in a happy relationship. It's becoming hard, you know, for me to even believe that because I'm like, so many people are out here pretending. Um, but that's not to say that relationships are easy. Relationships are not even the ones that are God-ordained, you know. I don't believe that they're easy. And it's not that they're not it's not that they are not easy because of, I don't know how to put it, but they will have their own set of peculiar challenges. Even those ones that is God said, you come from here, you come from here, and I physically or I literally joined you guys together. Every Relationships are not easy. Um, but for me, I just feel like it's getting harder for me to believe what I see. Um, and so that's that for me on Journey Depp and Amber Heard. Um, unfortunately, it looks like Amber's team still want to push this thing. Um, I was reading something some days ago about how um, Amber Heard's lawyer said they're going to appeal the verdict and something like that. I hope that's the right terminology. And I'm just like, let the story die. Um, you guys need to get on with your lives. The whole world, including myself, we know we have feasted unfortunately on your tragedy on your pain on your embarrassment on everything we have feasted we have debated we have mocked i mean you need to see the the number of memes that have come out from this court trial especially against amber heard like it's okay i feel there's no need to push this um the, the verdict final verdict was that i think um Amber is to give Johnny Depp like $10 million or something. And then Johnny is to give Amber, I think, like $2 million. And I just feel like that should just be the end. And everybody should just, they should just both move on um, with their lives. So that's my thoughts on Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Okay, so moving on from that, another story I followed, although this happened before I went on my break, um, 
but something happened within this this month of june and everybody got talking about it again and that is the oscar slap right between will smith and chris rock now i'm not even going to get into what i really think about that even though i know what i think about that um but i, I will leave what i think about that alone so what happened so jada pinkett smith finally says something about it now since this thing happened none of the parties involved have really talked about it the most you know that has been done is um, will smith that gave whether it's him or it's his team but anyway there was this um post on his his instagram apologizing to chris rock and to oscars um you know coordinators or whatever they are called um chris rock said he's not going to talk about it until he gets paid or something funny like that um so nobody has really nobody none of the parties involved um there's jada will or chris have actually like really talked about this and and in a way we've all wanted to know but at the same time i feel like we would the whole world would have been content without knowing at the same time or at least majority of us to be honest would have been content even if they never talked about it again even though at the same time like like we wanted to know like chris how do you really feel and will smith what was going through your mind and and jada what's up you know um so jada comes out with a video and she and i just i feel like it would have been better if she didn't say anything because for the most part majority of the world we were all, i mean this thing was on oscar so you can see that everybody in the world was waiting with bated breath like lisa hafra often says you know wanting to know like what is you know what is what are they going to say and who is going to be the first person to talk about it and all of that and so jada came out and said something um my one of my brothers sent me the video but even before before he sent it to me I'd actually seen it but I just I was already over it the whole thing to be honest because I got so I was at a point again I was I like, really invested in the story and just following it up and reading it up and everything and and all the counterpoints and counter arguments of people concerning the whole thing and after a while I was like Noma you have a life <laughs> can you please leave it um, you know so i had to leave it at all so when i saw the jaded thing and i was just like mm, i don't think i want to get down this rabbit hole again so one of my brothers sent me the clip and i watched it and i think she should just not have said anything you know i think um because in in in, in my own humble opinion i think that in bit to sound to say something profound and at the same time to say something cute it just it missed a mark and to be honest don't ask me i don't even know what i wanted her to say so i'm never going to say oh she shouldn't have said this she should have said that i feel like but the weight of what happened what she came out to say i think she it would have been better if she was silent about it but what i would give jada is that towards the end of of her speech and she says will and i will continue to do what we've been doing for the past i think she said 28 years and that is figure this life thing together and i was like sister girl you said it in the sense that obviously since the whole thing happened you know people have been speculating and divorce and will smith is divorcing jada i mean just go to comment sections i have to do with this story of will jada chris and most of the comments is like will needs to leave her 
will divorce her, will leave her alone. And just by her just saying that at the end, like, she's like, I'm not, Will and I are not going anywhere, you know, we're staying together. So that was sort of like for everybody who is willing them to divorce and calling it into existence, she's basically saying that's not going to happen. But that, that one is, again, their business. My thing was for something that happened on such a global stage, uh, for something that happened between two black men in, a, in that setting, just going back to the, you know, and all of that, like, I don't even want to get into it because, of course, I'm not African-American, so I don't even know the intricacies of what that whole thing means as per African, being African-American in the America of today. I don't, so I have no idea what that means, but I just feel it would have been better if she didn't say anything because what, what she said didn't, didn't measure up for me personally and for a lot of people um, who have commented on it. It just didn't, it just didn't fit, right? It didn't, it didn't fit it's like somebody who comes to a, to a dinner party, like wearing jeans and a T-shirt and trainers, and then they're wearing a cap and they've turned it backwards, you know? Or like the way Will Smith used to dress in Fresh Prince where he wears his shirt inside out and stuff. Like, it was just like somebody who just dressed poorly for an event. You showed up. Well, you know, it's good you showed up because we were all wondering who's going to show up to this party. But then you showed up not really in the right attire so now we don't know whether we should be thankful that you showed up or you should have just not bothered at all so that's the whole jada thing but again like i said i mean she just put it out there everybody who's trying to divorce them <laughs> you know she's basically like we're staying together um and you know the thing about relationships you know especially um People like during the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing, you know, there are people who like friends of Johnny Depp who were talking about how, um, you know, just notice things about the relationship. And it's, I think it's very, it can be very sad when you are a, a friend or a sister or a brother and you're seeing that your sibling or your, your friend or even your, your parent is in a, is in a bad situation in a relationship or in marriage. And you're seeing it and you just, your love for them wants to bring them out, you know, wants to bring them out of that relationship. Your love for them wants to save them. Um, but until, until they see what you're seeing for themselves, really, you know, there's nothing you can do. So as much as everybody who loves Will Smith is like, Will, you need to leave her alone until he sees whatever it is everybody is say, seeing for himself until it becomes his conviction. Um, I just feel like, really, you know, it's all talk. And even on a personal level, like with our loved ones who we see in like bad situations, whether it's marriage or relationships, unfortunately, it's until they see it for themselves. The, the best we can do is just know that, okay, should this thing eventually, should they eventually see this thing, whatever decision they decide to make, I just, I'm, I'm going to have to be present, you know, whatever, whether it gets to 50 years or 10 years or 20 years or tomorrow, but to constantly bombard them with, you need to leave this person, this person is not good for you, you need to leave this person, um, 
unfortunately, it's going to, it probably will even drive them more closer to this person. I, I don't know why that happens. I was talking to someone recently and um, he's married and he was saying to me how, um, it was just a very weird conversation really. And he was just saying to me that the person he got married, the person he's married to, um, if his, you know, his family members had not tried to tell him he could not, then he wouldn't, he, he, I, I can't explain it, but basically what he was trying to say was that he got married to the person he's married to, to prove a point that he could make a decision for himself. And that was why he decided he got married to this person. And, you know, for me, you know, hearing that, I, I, I really didn't know what to do with it. And I'm not really close to this person. So I couldn't really get into, like, further details of, like, why and all of that. Because, but that's what happens sometimes when we keep telling these people that we love, like, whoever his family people were and we're telling him, you can't marry this person, you can't marry this person. It only drove him to be like, I'm going to. So it's a very difficult situation or position to find yourself, but you just have to be quiet and just leave them until they see it. And if they never see it, then they never see it. And then you just have to leave it alone. Um, and then if they do see it, then they see it and you just have to be there for them. All right. So that's what I think about the whole thing. So that's Jada and all that. So the next thing that I was following, now if you've been listening to Transition Podcast, you would know that I love Jeannie Mai Jenkins, all right? I have, I have loved her. Um, well, I didn't love her at the start of The Real, which is an American daytime um, talk show. Um, but I actually loved her when she started going through her, her divorce from her first husband after 10 years of marriage. And I loved her vulnerability with the process. I loved her. I loved how she was so committed to, to her healing, her emotional and mental healing, and how she was just so honest about it. You know, uh, one of the things I really admire about her is that she's not ashamed to, to talk about the mistakes she's made, whether she made in marriage or she, like, she's not ashamed to just to say, talk about where she is on her journey, you know, regardless. And a lot of people connect with that because a lot of people, they may not be able to say where they are, but just hearing her say certain things, they were like, ah, okay, I'm not, I'm not crazy. And, you know, so it's very comforting, um, to, to have someone just say, okay, this is where I am. And you're like, oh my goodness. Okay. So I'm also in this space and that's cool. So that's when I started really like loving her, like, oh, I love the honesty of this woman. And then like within a year or so or two years, basically she met, um, Jeezy. I don't really know his real name, but he, she met Jeezy and they got married. And then for the first time, she showed recently, she unveiled her baby, the baby that they had, uh, Monaco. And for the longest time, she, I think it was like five months, she didn't, she, she kept, she didn't show anybody. Monaco, we didn't know what Monaco looked like. And she kept talking about how she was really nervous about doing that because she knew that once she put Monaco out there, it was just, 
you know, it was no longer hers. It was no longer just theirs. You know, she, Jeezy, and their immediate friends and families. You know, it was like, you know, Monaco was now out there and could be judged and people could say nasty things and all of that. She really got emotional about it. So I watched the, the, the clip or the video where she unveils Monaco and Monaco is a cute, a cutie, right? She's just a perfect blend. Like you could see Jeezy in her face somehow. And I'm just so happy for Jeannie because, um, Jeannie, Mai had also talked at the beginning of, um, the real, she had also talked about how she would never, she didn't think she ever wanted to have children. So to see her do this beautiful, is it 360 or 180? I think it's a 360 where she's just loving motherhood and loving being a wife. You know, it's just, it's just a blessing for me to just witness that, you know, just never say never. Some things you start off saying, oh, I will never this and I'll never that. And then God happens and life happens and you find yourself in that space and it's, you're even excited to be in that space. But something I started thinking about when I was, after watching the video where she revealed Monaco, um, was I was thinking about privacy and social media. Um, in one of the episodes I did with Barrister Uzo Ekwe, um, was also, it was also a Tales from the Web, um, and he, was, he had said something about how the social media is akin to someone shouting in the market space, right? And I've also mentioned here a couple of times how I'm very careful about the kind of information I share on social media. So I, was, I started thinking again about just privacy. And because one thing I've realized about sharing is on social media, especially for me, is that once you share, once you start sharing personal stuff, you can't stop. All right. Once just I just feel like once you start sharing personal stuff, you just can't stop because once you see approve, you know, people liking and people saying, oh, th- thank you. Like I was on Instagram and this lady who, who I follow on Instagram was doing a live and she was just talking about how she got it. You know, she was in a, an in-between stage for interviews and how she's not really sure she even wants the job and how this. And, and I was just like why you're still like she had just left the first stage and she was being called to the second stage and she was talking already like she's not even sure she really would really wants this job but that money is good and i'm like don't say that like why do you need to say that i i don't i didn't get it i'm sure maybe if i listened to the video further i probably would have but i just got a, a bit annoyed like why are you doing this these people who are doing this hiring thing can easily just stumble on this and just cancel you. And you're just saying, like, I don't, I'm not interested, but I'm just here, Sha. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what's going on? So I just feel like with social media, you know, there's a ten- once you start sharing something personal, it's very hard to stop. I don't know why. I'm sure there's a science to it. And for me, I, I am, I, I don't know whether I should describe myself as a private person. Um, maybe because I know people who have described me like, oh, Nama, you're so private and, you know, you're so, you keep to yourself. I don't know, but for me, the way I handle my social media is it's about my, my work, right? So it's about my work as a writer. It's about work I do as a podcaster. It's about projects, you know, so that's how I, I and then maybe like encouraging, encouraging memes and clips and posts and things like that. It's, that's how I look at social media. It's like, it's sort of like my CV 
and my personality, right? So I don't go into things that have to do with my life, my world. Um, I did an interview last year, I think it was last year, with this popular Nigerian actor, Jim Ike. If you're Nigerian and if you're early 2000s, you know, familiar with your actors as well, you, the name sound, would sound very familiar. And at a point in our conversation, he started talking about privacy and he was saying, and he talked about, I can't even remember, but it was so deep. Jim Ike is a very intelligent man. Like listening to that conversation, I was like, I think like I'm going to um, just keep playing this conversation in my head. And I can't forget something he said about privacy. And he talked about how he has, I think he said like he has three worlds or something like that. And how, you know, just how he just separates each. So there's the part of him that is the actor. There's a part of him that, you know, loves fashion. And so we'll talk about fashion and maybe talk about, you know, his films and a bit of politics. Then there's the part of him that is his family, his siblings, his sisters, his dad. And, you know, and that the world is not, does not have, you know, access to that. And then there's an inner part of him that is his him and his kids. And, you know, the way he said it, and I was just like, wow, I was, I was blown away because it, it made sense to me. And it just made sense to me because, you know, not everybody should have access to every part of your life, really. Um, a lot of the issues that we have with people is that we, are, we allow the wrong people get close so quickly. We allow the wrong people... Um, although we don't realize they are wrong, but we just, we are so accessible. Every part of us is accessible. Our, you know, people know our houses, where we live and, you know, just people know things about us. And, and I remember someone, uh, where I was working at a time and, um, somebody wanted to do something with my phone and I was like, okay, give it to me. And she's like, so just tell me your password and I'll put it in. I was like, yeah, we were friendly and all that, but I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, no. And of course, I took the phone from her. So there are just some things, because if I had just said yes, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, the password is X, Y, Z, you know, A, B, C. Tomorrow, she sees my phone just lying down somewhere. She's going to pick it up and just going to be like X, Y, Z, A, B, C. I start doing what she wants to do, and they probably will see something that she's not supposed to see, you know, whatever that could be. So, you know, I, I just appreciated when he said, just talked about how not everybody should have access to you. So I looked at my social media, and I was like, that's basically how... There's a, there's, a, there's a part of my life that is not on social media. Like there's, there's a huge part of my life that is not on social media. For the longest time, I didn't even use to put my pictures. I think I've even talked about this here as well. My pictures, I didn't use to put my pictures on social media. I think I was already like a year or two into Facebook and when I said I put in my pictures. And the first picture that got on there was my elder brother that actually put it. You know, with Twitter, it was the same thing. I was, I was like three years in Twitter before I started. I used my picture as the actual DP and things like that. And part of the reason why I started doing that was because, like I said, with my work. You know, I, wanted, I didn't want people to think, you know, it's like a CV, you know. So you, you want people to be able to put a face to the name and things like that. Even with LinkedIn, for a while, it was just that gray, empty face. <laughs> <laughs> until I took a picture one day, in, you know, where I was working at the time and then used that picture and then eventually I changed it again and all that. So I just, I approach social media like it's my CV and it also showcases like my interests as well. There's a very large part of my life that is not there. And I was thinking like, can you call that 
deceitful you know do you do would you say that i just started thinking and you know and i mean it's for you to answer you know would you say it's deceitful if someone has doesn't put their whole life and everything about themselves on social media and maybe then you find out you know something about the person and you're like you know oh, oh this person didn't put that there it could i think some people may feel like that was deceitful or that's someone trying to be cunning but for me i just feel it's not everybody that it's not anybody's business. You you have a right to let people know what you want them to know, which is what Jenny Mai did. Um, as far as she was concerned, for the first five months of her baby's life, she didn't want people to know what her baby looked like. She didn't want to give people access. She didn't want to give the world access to her angel. And she had concerns. And it was until she was good with herself and until she had gotten to a place where maybe not necessarily overcoming the fear, but she had been able to just, you know, just deal with it and face it. Maybe, yeah, maybe overcome is actually the word. Um, and then she was in a good place to say, okay, now I'm going to show you this is my baby, you know. Um, and you have, like, actors who probably, like, have are married and people don't know that they are married. And then all of a sudden something happens and people find out, like, oh, this guy is married and everybody's like, oh, why is he hiding his wife? You know, sometimes it could be that the person is hiding their wife or hiding their husband, probably. You know, but sometimes it could also be like a Jim Ike thing. Like, it's really none of your business. You know, you know what I want you to know. And when I'm ready for you to know the next part of my life, then you'll know the next part of my life. And when I'm ready for you to know the other part of my life, you'll know the other part of my life. So I just wanted to ask you, listening, like, how do you handle your social media? Is it, you know, is it a place or where you just put everything about your family, your career, your job, your you know, your jet-setting, fast-paced lifestyle? Or, you know, are there things that you just say, this is not for social media, and so I'm not putting it there. This, And I'm not just talking about, you know, having bad days, because I think everybody does that. There's hardly a person that puts, that they're having a rough day, you know, on social media. But I mean, are there, are there aspects of your life that you are intentionally just like, this is not anyone's business, I'm not ready to put this out there now? Um, and if you're doing that, I'd like to know, and I'd like to know your reasons as well. Okay. So that's Jenny Mai and the whole privacy shenanigans. All right. So now we're moving on to the real, the real is a daytime talk show in the U S like I said, like I followed for years. Um, I, I was a fan of it. And unfortunately <laughs> for people like us who are big fans, it came to an end after eight seasons. They did their finale episode um which i watched and um so everything was going like everybody was getting emotional and all the fans were like oh don't go and you know move this to a podcast and oh we're gonna miss you and how you know each lady each woman had grown from the when they first started which is actually true their personalities they just evolved they just evolved right um, so we were all rejoicing, I will say, and then all of a sudden, I didn't even notice there was this issue of Amanda Sales. Now, you may not know anything I'm talking about, but just follow me, <laughs> okay, because I'm going to get it somewhere. So Amanda Sales was, so they had, the real started with, um, so let's see, Lonnie, Jeannie, Adrian, Tamira, and Tama. So it started with five hosts, and then things happened Tamer left 
and then they started looking for a replacement for Tamer. And so eventually they settled or they found Amanda Seals, who is an American comic um, and an actress as well. Now, Amanda didn't really last long. I think she did like six months. I don't even know if it was a complete season or she just did one season. I can't even remember. But she didn't really last long compared to like Tamer, I would say. Um, but she was there. You know, she was there. She was contributing. But to be honest, after she left, some months later, for me personally, I don't know about anyone else, I actually even forgot that Amanda Seals was ever on the real. Like, I completely forgot about her. It, it after a while it was the only person I could remember that was I was missing was Tamara. I had actually forgotten that there was Amanda Seals there, and um, so by the time they were doing the finale, right, and they were going like going through the years, you know, their eight seasons, they never picked anything, any clip that had to do where Amanda Seals was there, and the way Amanda Seals left was a bit. Um, it wasn't in a good way, right? I don't know. I can't remember the details about it, but it wasn't in a good way. I think she had issues with the producer and she felt like her voice was being stifled. She wasn't really being allowed to talk about, you know, African-American issues, black issues in America, racial issues the way she wanted to. Um, I know the real is one of these things where they talk about like um, sex and they talk about like marriage and relationship issues and they talk about like diets and they, you know, they, they talk about light stuff and they talk about serious stuff. Right. So they kind of, you know, and, um, I think Amanda Seals wasn't really into all those light, fluffy, girly kind of conversations, you know, so that period she was there, it really felt a bit odd you know, like the energy just didn't feel right because I don't know, for me personally, the energy just didn't feel right. So anyway, when they did the finale, so Amanda Seals, her fans who remembered, because I forgot completely, but those who remember that she had been on the show, like why isn't Amanda Seals, you know, being like honored in the recaps of, you know, old uh, episodes and things like that. So it became a thing. And then obviously, so the whole fluffy joy feeling that someone like me had, I started feeling a bit like, oh, bummer. Like, oh dear, you know, drama. Um, but it got me thinking about something. <laughs> so like I said, I'm always like the meaning in meaning. And so while people say like it's her right, it's Amanda Seals' rights that she was, she's recognized as someone who contributed, whether she was there for like one day or half a day, she contributed, she was there. But I feel if you had issues with like production and maybe the, the, the network and things like that, I'm not saying it's, I mean, I'm not taking sides, but I can understand why the network or the producers who you uh, said were like stifling your voice and were, you know, not really not being fair and ETC. I could understand why they would not want to put you there because true or not true you you came out and it didn't look good you know basically you didn't look good it wasn't a situation where you were going to be like no comment no comment no comment I'm just done no comment I'm just done um so I just feel like in that sense then you can understand their pettiness if I can't call it that for not putting her you know putting Amanda Seals there and I feel like for her to to care that also confused me because I'm like, you, 
from what I remember, like you came out really talking down on the producers and, and all of that. And so I'm like, why do you care that they didn't mention? I don't know. The whole thing was just like, it felt for me. And I'm just hoping that nobody comes for me. <laughs> but it just felt like like somebody like this thing where they say you eat you you eat your cake and you want it at the same time or something like that. It was just confusing for me. I just feel like she should have just ignored it. I mean, if if the show, which was the impression she gave when she left, if the show was beneath her, I feel like whether or not she was included should have also been beneath her. Because the real did not make her the real did not contribute to her stardom or to the fame she has and in the industry and the opportunities like she's not at that stage where she needs that come up right so i just feel like it should have also been beneath her she should have just been like whatever and moved on and instead of making it a thing um i just feel like mm -mm, for me i don't know but anyway like i said i hope nobody comes for me for this but then it also got, it got me thinking about um, just workplace friendships. And I was just saying, how do you, you who is listening, how do you handle, like, what are your thoughts on friendships in the workplace? Um, as, is, do you just have friends and your friends are just like, this is work, we chill, we hang, we laugh, and then we all go home. Like, I remember there was a place I was working a time, some time back, and I'll go to work and I, you know, I was working in a small, with a small team and I was like the only lady, you know, so it was just like, but the guys were really funny and they were like really treating me well and being respectful and all of that. Um, but as soon as we finish, you know, our laughing and our being loud and our giggling and all of that, we get home, I get home and that's it. And I know that I remember one of the guys used to be like, Anoma will be calling you like during the weekend. You're not even answering anybody. And for me, it was just like, we are friends at work. And it wasn't just because like they were guys. It was just like, we are friends at, the way I saw them was like, we are friends at work. You are not friends outside work. And I don't want you to be my friends outside work. And I, just, I was just thinking, like, how do you, who's listening, like, how do you handle work? Do you have, are you also, like, you are my friend? There's some people I have met who, I'm like, oh, you are my friend at work. And I think i also like to know you outside of the four walls of this place, okay? So even when we've clocked out, you know, if we're not hanging out, we are talking, like, on phone, maybe during the weekends or on a, on a public holiday where, you know, sending messages back and forth. I have those kind of people, but then there are people that I'm just like, I know this is a work thing and that's what it is, you know, and outside here, there's nothing. So I was just thinking like, how curious, how do you, what are your thoughts on work and friendships? Do you do the same thing or do you, do you, I, do you blur the lines? Work friend do, outside of work friend do, everything is friend, <laughs> you know? Um, or are you like me and you are very selective? So you just have people like you can laugh and kick it with in the office. And if they're calling you outside of office hours, your phone is, is, is something. <laughs> your phone is not working um, to answer the call. Um, so, yeah, these are all the stories um, I've been following online within this month. And these are all my thoughts about them. Um, and I'd like to know what your thoughts about them. What your thoughts are. Ugh. 
what your thoughts are about them as well. Um, it's been a while I've, you know, hit you guys up with the email address for transition. So I'm going to do that now. Transition podcast 2020 at gmail.com. Send me an email. Um, let's know, let me know your thoughts, uh, uh, any of the topics I've talked on, you know, let's, let's, let's talk less. And you can also like send a voice. I think you can do voice notes as well. If you listen to this on anchor, you can listen, you can send uh, voice notes. So I know, um, what your thoughts are and what you're thinking about the things I talk about. So we're going to go on a short break and then I'm going to come back and then share with you one of the truths I just came into within this month after watching a Netflix series. Yeah. All right. Catch you on the other side. All right. So welcome back. So um, like I said, I recently realized something about myself. Um, and it came from watching a series on Netflix called Superstore. Um, now, in this particular series, it was just such an interesting... Okay, let me say first of all what I learned about, what I started thinking about about myself. I started thinking about myself in terms of people-pleasing. Now, you know, people have said, like, therapists and psychologists and all these articles out there, you know, like, people-pleasing, so, sorry, people-pleasing is you know a trauma response and things like that um I, I don't really want to get into all of that but if you don't know what people pleasing is okay so let me say so people pleasing involves speaking and behaving to accommodate the emotional needs of others typically to the detriment of your own needs it can be hard to combat people pleasing but there are ways to overcome it um and then it goes on and then i, w- I would you know, go on, I'll read some things like that. But basically, that's what people-pleasing is. So people-pleasing is where you just put other people first at your own detriment all the time. And a lot of times, people-pleasing is about, and I'll speak for myself, people-pleasing is about trying to prove that I'm a nice person, you know. It's about trying to prove that, um, you know, I'm kind or, you know, I'm trying to prove a point. And then people pleasing is also stemming from um, the thing where you you don't believe that you actually are a nice person. So you you want to do things so that people see that you're like other people seeing you as nice is more important than and is more believable than you believing just by yourself that you are nice. So there's a difference between being a nice person and being a people pleaser. Um, and so when I was watching Superstore, a lot of the characters in Superstore were annoying to me. And I realized that <laughs> why a lot of them were annoying to me was because none of them were people pleasers. All of, they said what they felt, you know, if they wanted to help the person today, they would help. And if they didn't feel like helping that person, they were not going to help the person. Like I, I, I was looking at them and thinking, oh, how can you be so selfish? And that's your friend. And how can you be so selfish? That's your boss. And how can you be so selfish? That's your, you know, whatever. And then I realized that the reason why I was getting so, like, offended, like, I was actually getting irritable with a lot of the characters in that series. It was, it's a good series. But I was getting so irritable with a number of those characters. And that was because they were, do, they were doing what they wanted to do, irrespective of how or what that other person 
you know, needed, so to speak. Like, I don't even know how to explain because even now saying it, it sounds harsh. But um, I don't know. I can't think of an example. And I can't, I'm just trying to, okay, let me, no, I can't think of an example on the spot. I'm sorry. But it was just things where if, like, for example, if one of the characters, if one of the people said, oh, I needed, I need you to cover my shift because it was about um, people who work in like a big uh, departmental store and their lives with the corporation and their personal lives and things like that. So if someone said, oh, I need you to cover my shift for me um, today because I need to go and sleep or I need to go and, you know, watch a movie. And the other person is like, uh, okay, okay, let me give you an example. Okay, so there was a, a particular uh, episode that was covered COVID, right? And so there were these two people who, like, were the cool people in the, like, well, cool is a relative term, I would say, for them. But anyway, they were the cool people in the store, and they wanted to have a party. And so there's this particular lady who is sort of like the person everybody just, you know, makes fun of and teases and stuff like that, because she's just a bit weird the way she talks and you know, how she reasons. And so they're trying to convince her to come to their party. And she's like, no, I'm not coming to your party. And they keep trying. They keep trying their best. And it's all they do, like, funny things, of course, you know, in a series. And um, and eventually she's like, look, I can't come to your party because I don't know, like, the safety, you know, with COVID and, you know, safety situation. Like, I don't, I'm not comfortable with with that and they're like no don't worry like we're going to to make sure you know we've done our tests we're covid you know negative and she's like yeah but aren't other people going to be there you know what are, what is their own you know situation like and so that's just one example and i know it's like covid everybody's like ah, it's covid of course you know how to say no but for me if i was put in that kind of situation i would have actually struggled to look those people in the face and tell them no I'm not coming to your party that you're inviting me for. Like, I would have found it really hard because of people pleasing. Like, that's the whole thing about people pleasing. It's to your detriment. There's COVID. There's an issue. There's a valid reason why you should tell these people, I'm not coming to your party because we are in a pandemic. But people pleasing wants to please people and not you. And I watched that series and I saw how people were, like, the, the lead character who, um, if you know Ugly Betty, America Ferreira, she was the lead character in the series, Amy. And she gets this job opportunity. And there's this guy she, who has been crushing on her since he joined the store. And they eventually started dating. And they were dating for like three years. And she gets this work opportunity where she has to move to Chicago. And, you know, the guy is like trying to be like, okay, now let's get married and stuff. And she's like, no, that's not what I want. Obviously, like she's been married before and she's, you know, divorced and with two children. And she's like, look, the first time I got married was because I felt I had to because I was pregnant and I just felt I have to marry this person because I'm pregnant. And she's like, she doesn't want to get married a second time because she feels, okay, now I have to because I'm moving and now, okay, because I'm, this change is coming, I have to do this. And so she chose her career to move to Chicago by herself with her kids, um, even though eventually she and this guy go back together. But, you know, she chose, and I was like, how do like how do you people do this and it's something that even recently like i'm saying how do people do this but i have i'm consciously right now working on it even prior to watching superstore like sometimes i catch myself and you see one thing about patterns right is that if you've spent a long period of your life in a certain mode 
and in this mode being being a people pleaser that when you get a revelation of why what that is and why that isn't good for you it it is new it's so it's the the old habit still has a stronger hold on you so you're still going to find yourself in situations where you slip into people pleasing because it's what you have known is how you have reasoned is how you have conducted your life your relationships but you have to hold you have to keep this new truth before you until it becomes the pattern in which you're walking you know and um for me, just watching this series, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm such a people pleaser. Or I was such a people pleaser. That's why I'm so irritated that these people don't know how to like forget about themselves and just do things for other people. <laughs> you know, I was, I was really offended. Like there were, like, I can't even explain it. Like there were episodes I would watch and I'll just be so angry with the characters because I'm like, why can't you just please people? Why are you coming first? <laughs> laughing at myself it's sad but it's funny all right so if you're wondering am i a people pleaser all right I, i'm going to read something and then i'm going to also read something up that differentiates people pleasing from a, being a nice person okay so um one of the signs that you're people pleaser is that you can't say no so remember my whole covid thing if i was in that situation i know myself of before <laughs> i probably would have said yes and then when they start calling me on that day, I'll switch off my phone. <laughs> I know myself. That's the kind of thing I'll do. Because I'll feel so uncomfortable saying no to them. I will want to please them by saying yes. And you know, why can't you just say no? And say so the reason I'm not because there's a pandemic. I cannot I cannot come and die. Like they say in Nigeria, you know. So number one, you cannot say no. You you just don't know how to say it. to people's faces. You know, you cannot say no. The second thing is that you feel anxious. How to know you're a people pleaser is that you feel anxious about others' opinions of you. It matters. So, like, you're, you're doing things and you want people to see you. And that's something that I, I, I used to do. Uh, I won't say a lot, but, you know, I'm doing something that I feel like is really nice. And I'm, you know, sort of, like, metaphorically checking over my shoulders if there's anybody around who is noticing, you know, like, this nice, really nice thing I'm doing. And I'm like... Norma, you're a nice person, full stop. You're, whether you, you, today if you're in the mood to do this and you feel inclined to do this, you do it. If you're not, you don't do it. That you didn't do it today does not take away from your niceness. But you know that anxiety that, oh, you know, if somebody, if the person says I should do this and then I don't do this, that means I'm not a nice person. Or oh, what is this person now thinking of me? This, this, this. I'll tell you something. So there's a guy that, is, you know, that um, I worked with and we were very friendly, um, you know. And so I, I, I needed to rush home. We were like really good friends. Like we'll, we'll talk about scripture during office, like when we're on break, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Bible stuff, about church, about all those kind of things. And um, so there was a particular day I had to rush and leave. And, um, and then my superior had said, oh, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And both of me and this guy were in the same department, okay? And I needed to really leave. So I said to him, I said, okay, please, so-so-so person, um, I need you to help me do this because I really need to leave. And he looks at me and he's like, no, ma, I can't help you do this because I have to be at, I have to be at service or something like that. 
I think that day was like his midweek service day. And he's like, I have to be at midweek service by so, so, so time. If I stay back to help you do this, then I'm going to miss, you know, whatever. I'm going to get there late, etc, etc. In that moment, I was very offended. You know, I, I was very offended because I was like, I, 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 I was like, I really need to leave. And I was like, what? you would have explained to this, you know, person why you needed to leave. You know, probably this superior would have found someone else to do it or probably would have been able to stay back, you know, to do it and all that. Why did you just say, oh, you'll do it and things? But again, it was just this thing of the fact that he could tell me no and he didn't care so to speak, what I would think about the fact that he said no. So initially, my first reaction was I was very hurt. Like, how dare you? <laughs> you know? And then after that, the long, after when I thought about it some weeks later, I was like, I respect you. You're like, I, I respect that, you know, you actually just did you in that moment you you know and that's the thing but i'm going to differentiate i'm going to read an article that just differentiates between people pleasing and you know nice person i'm going to do that so so the next thing how you know that you're a people pleaser is that you feel guilty setting boundaries you feel guilty and this one i'm going to take this one into relationship zone right so you have situations where like i was reading something online um, just before I came on to do this podcast and you have situations where, you know, this girl was saying like she was celibate and she, she wanted to save herself. She didn't want to have, you know, sex and be intimate. And this guy is basically like, one oh, nonsense. We are adults. You cannot starve. Like it was just ridiculous. Anyway, like you cannot starve me of sex and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, look, it's, this is my life. This is what I've chosen. If you don't like it, walk. And I was like, sis, amazing, <laughs> you know, amazing. You're setting boundaries and you're, you're not, because there's someone else who would be in that situation and the more the guys put that kind of pressure on them, they shift, you know, okay, so now you can't, you know, maybe if they were not holding hands, they say, okay, now you can hold my hand. Then the guy puts another pressure, pressure, pressure. He say, okay, okay you, you can hold my hand and you can put your head on my shoulder. Uh, you, you get like you just keep crossing 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 until the very thing you said you don't want to do you find that it's done so being when you're a people pleaser you not only do you find it difficult to say no but you feel guilty even when you set boundaries you're easy you easily start feeling the guilt when someone tells you they want more than what you're willing to give at that time and you start feeling guilty because again you're anxious you don't want this person to think you're a bad person you don't want this person to think you're not nice you know all the you know and people like i don't know whether they say it in other parts of the world but like in nigeria they're like and ah, you call yourself a christian you know someone says i need you to give me money and like i don't have any money to give you right now you know and then before you know it like ah, you call yourself a christian you cannot give you know all of that so the next one is that you apologize for things you don't need to um you need constant approval uh you generally don't share your feelings with others and by this they say because you feel as though they don't matter and other people's issues are more pertinent so um so that's that and then you have a low self-esteem you have a history of anxiety or depression trauma or any kind of emotional or mental health concern that has led to low self-esteem or low self-worth. You look for external validation to fill the holes inside you that require internal work and validation. Um, number nine, you always agree in order to be liked. 
Um, and number 10, you fear being labeled selfish. So, you know, and number 10 is it, you know, so you want to constantly do and constantly give and, and constantly, you know, and just because you don't want someone to just be like, you're selfish. You, you know, I asked for this. You did not give Asked for your time. I asked for money. I asked for a favor. I asked for, you know, whatever it is. So when I watched that Netflix series, I was like, we're not, um, we have, we are finally, cause like I said, I was already, I had already realized this about myself and I was like, why there was something I did. Um, and I was literally like hoping or like, yes, I was say hoping that the person I, I was doing it for was watching. And when I caught myself doing that, I was like, why? And the reason why I wanted that was that I wanted the person to be like, wow, Noma is nice. And I'm like, Noma, you are nice. Whether the person saw that you were doing this and whether you chose not to do this thing, you are nice. And I was having a conversation with my, my mom um, at a point today. There was something she was doing or she did. And I was saying to her, I was like, you, you, you need to learn how to set boundaries. I was telling her, I said, and I said, the reason I, you know, speaking for myself, like the reason why I have issues with this boundary thing, I was like, is because you're not really firm with yours when it comes to, and I don't mean as a parent, but I just mean like dealing with, you know, people, I, I, like domestic stuff and things like that. I was like, you need to be, if you've said this is how it works, I was like, then keep it at this is how it works. Don't let anyone start making you feel, you know, shaky, shaky, you know, about it. So for me, that's the revelation. I was like, when I finished watching that series, I was like, do you know what? We're not doing this people pleasing thing again. And like I said, it's because I had already started working in this revelation until I, and then this, this series just confirmed it. But again, I need to keep this truth before me. And I think that's actually why I'm sharing it because I listen to my episodes and things like that. So whenever I come back to listen to this, I'm hearing myself say this. I need to keep this truth before me and say, we are not doing people pleasing anymore. Um, I need to be able to checkmate myself when I start falling because, because like I said, it's been a way of living. I need to start checkmating myself and be like, okay, so Norma, you are getting into this thing where you are being afraid to say no because you don't want them to think you are, you know, and it doesn't matter what they think you are. Today, you cannot X. Today, you cannot Y. And so you're going to stand by that. Now, I want to just quickly read because I don't want to take much of your time, even though I know you're enjoying this. <laughs> but I want to quickly read the difference between um, being a people pleaser and being a nice person. And I'll try to go through this really fast. And, and this is just to help you if you're like me and you find like you're a people pleaser, you know, like um, Sarah Jakes Roberts, you know, says, she says she and her husband, they always say, that anything that is wrong with us as adults or any kind of challenge we have as an adult is started in our childhood. So there could be something you may remember, you may not remember, I may remember, may not remember, that brought me into the space where, you know, you feel like you have to perform for approval, right? It, it could be because of a parent, it could be because of just anything where you just constantly feel like, 
to be validated, to be seen, to be appreciated. I have to perform how this person needs me to perform because that's the only way that my, I'm validated. That's the only way I'll get affection. I'm just doing exactly what will please this person. And then this person gives me what I want, which is their time, which is their love, which is their praise and all of that. So I'm sharing this with you because I just really feel like this could also help you or it could help someone even that you know that you feel like you're trying to also talk to them. Like you don't have to be doing everything that someone tells you to do. Just just forward this episode to them and just tell them Norma is talking to you here. Okay, so the difference, like I said, I'll just try and quickly run through this. So um, this is an article from stylist.co.uk. Um, and this um, therapist runs through the difference between what it means to be nice and what it is to be a people pleaser. So she says that... Um, People, um, she, she says that people pleasers' words and actions are often determined by their perception of how others think and feel about them, which differs from people being nice as they don't rely on others' perception of them and just do what they feel is right. Um, she says, next up, um, she says that people pleasers tend to be nice when it violates their own boundaries and values, which I've said earlier, while those who are nice do not put others before themselves if it means violating their own boundaries and values. She adds that people pleasers associate their self-worth with other persons' satisfaction from their good deed, whereas those who are not people pleasers don't have their self-worth impacted by how others react to their good deed. And says, lastly, she says that people pleasers find it hard to set boundaries because they are afraid to disappoint others. Those who are simply nice know that they can set boundaries and still be nice about it. Um, so she's, um, it just goes on and on. It says, if you're wondering why you have a tendency to people please or where this behavior may come from, it is possible that you, it is possible that it is a coping behavior you developed to gain validation and love. Um, she further said that it may also be a response to please others to avoid conflict and keep yourself safe. This is often referred to in psychological terms as fawning. He says there may be there may be many other reasons that are not covered, you know, in the article because we are all unique people from unique backgrounds and etc. etc. So um, that's that's what I just want to share with you, and that's I'm walking in, and uh, like I said before, I'm just putting this out there because for myself, I I need to come back when I usually come back and just listen to episodes and I hear this again. Um, you can be nice without being a people pleaser. I can be nice without being a people pleaser. Um, and I need to be grounded in what I know about myself. Irres and irrespective of what people think of me, it shouldn't matter. Um, and irrespective of what people think of you, it shouldn't matter. Um, just be true to yourself. Um, be true to yourself. If you want to know why I'm laughing, because I'm just I'm just thinking of how angry I used to be after every episode of Superstore, and just when I eventually realized why I was so irritated and irritable, I was like, oh my goodness, you know. So, um, you I mean, it's a good series. You could watch it. Um, the people pleasers out there, if you really need something to like shake you up, like this one really shook me up. So yeah, that's it. So that's it for episode. 
one season five thank you for listening thank you for being here and see you in episode two bye